Hello, and welcome to Radical Candor, a podcast from Panoply and Gretchen Rubin's Onward project about how not to hate the boss you have or be the boss you hate. I'm Russ Laraway, co-founder of Candor Inc. and career-long operational manager across the Marines, Google, and Twitter. And I'm Kim Scott, also co-founder of Candor Inc., former executive at Google and Apple, and CEO coach at Twitter, Dropbox, and a bunch of other great companies. I'm also the author of Radical Candor. Kim, as you know, we've gotten a bunch of listener mail and iTunes reviews that are really from new managers, sort of like, help, I'm a new manager. People are finding themselves in the position of managing other people for the first time. And man, that is a tough position to be in. What are you even supposed to do as a manager and how do you do it well? Well, we are going to tackle that today and give all you new managers out there some advice. Future managers and existing managers, there'll be some nuggets for you too. So in today's episode, we'll talk about the difficulties of being a first-time manager with some true horror stories. We'll answer a listener question about transitioning into a management role, especially when you're anticipating some ruffled feathers. And we'll wrap up the episode with the candor checklist, as always, some specific tips that new managers can get started with right away. So, Kim, you ready? I am ready. Yes, being a first-time manager is really hard. No one really tells you what you're supposed to do. In fact, when we taught at Managing an Apple, the first question we asked was, what do managers do anyway? They do more than going to meetings and sending emails, but what is it? And furthermore, there's often this ambivalence, at least that I had. When I first started Juice Software, I started it because I had had such terrible bosses and I wanted to create a better environment. And then a friend pointed out to me, you know, you started this company because you hate the man. And now you are the man. You hate the man. You are the man. Even more complicated <laughs> since I'm a woman, right? And, and I think a lot of new managers have that kind of ambivalence about becoming a boss. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, and I think so many new managers also just don't know exactly how to operate. I'm thinking of a, a couple new managers that I worked with. And as I've gotten a little bit further along in my career, I've started spending a lot more time with newer managers, um, whether they reported directly to me or whether they were a couple levels down in an organization. And I'm thinking about two real-life managers, uh, Jimmy and Pam, Mm -hmm. that I worked with. And they were, like a lot of people, they were promoted into management roles primarily because they'd been exceptional individual contributors. Yeah, they were great at what they did, so... That's the logical next step. Seems like the logical next step. It's interesting to them. You want to give them a growth opportunity. So, boom, there you go. And what's interesting about these these two people is they were brought in at the same time, brought in at the same level to do very similar jobs. And they both got it pretty wrong, but at opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> right. So, Jimmy was all about results, results, results. was pretty talented looking at the product, pretty mm-hmm. talented in driving results, knew exactly what needed to get done. All of his one-on-ones were about, you know, the metrics and the numbers, and the team was performing pretty well. And then came the engagement survey, and the team was crying uncle. Yeah, like a, a trail of dead bodies in Jimmy's wake. Felt like a little bit of trail of dead bodies in Jimmy's wake. That's perfectly said. <laughs> and... It was a very rude awakening. In fact, in terms of manager score for that engagement survey, uh, Jimmy had one of the lowest 
in Oof. this entire multi-thousand person function. Painful. Very painful. Very painful. Jimmy's credit, he said, what do I have to do to get better at this? And we worked through it. Pam, on the other hand, had the exact opposite problem. Mm-hmm. Pam manifested almost like the den mom. Right. for her team. She was extremely nice to them. She cared about them she, to the ends of the earth. And nobody was getting anything done. Right. And when there were performance problems, Pam was really, really slow to call them out. She was really slow to take any action. Oh, they'll be fine. I can coach them out of it. Because remember, Pam was a super high-performing individual contributor. So if I could just get them to do what I did, right, right? which is a very common instinct, And then Pam also didn't get it exactly right. And in fact, Pam wasn't even really long for the team. Pam had to sort of go back and try an an individual contributor job again. So for each of these two people, their very first experience with management was very difficult for them. And they got it wrong, both at opposite ends of the spectrum. One, all about results, nothing about the people. The other, all about the people and really no eye toward the results. Right. So we're going to help people find that middle ground and, and get it just right today. Yeah, if you could just merge Jimmy and Pam, you ha- you would have had the perfect manager. Yeah, I said that all the time, all the time. <laughs> we just put them them together, right. we've got the perfect manager. So if you're a new Or man- the worst ever manager. You want to put the right two parts <laughs> yeah. together. <laughs> yeah. So if you're a new manager or if you can remember when you were, we'd love to hear your stories and challenges. Please email us at podcast at radicalcandor.com or leave us a voice message at 2626candor. So there are a couple ways you might find yourself in a new manager role. You might join a new company in a role that manages people, or you might be promoted from an individual contributor role to a manager role within your existing company. Here's a great question that we got from a listener named Jane who is thinking about the possible transition to a manager role within her current company. I have a question that I'm curious to hear both your thoughts about. I applied for a supervisor position at my current company. If I get it, I'll be transitioning from regular worker to a leadership role within the same department. Do you have any advice for making this transition? I anticipate there would be a mixed reaction from my current coworkers. Some of them have been with this department several years longer than me and already feel underappreciated, so my promotion would be difficult for them to swallow. In addition, my current boss would become my equal, and we would have to work together to coordinate daily activities. My current boss is at least 20 years older than me and can be difficult to communicate with. Unclear, gossipy, and gives contradictory instructions that are subject to change at any moment. So, Jane, you're right. There will almost certainly be some disappointment and some jealousy um, in the situation that you're in. Seen that a bunch of times. Pretty common. It's a little unfortunate, but but you're absolutely right to be concerned about it. So, we have a few ideas for you here, and for anybody else that might find themselves in a similar predicament. And the first idea here is this idea of a listening tour and not some dog and pony thing to do for show, but really go out and listen to your direct reports and people around around your job. So asking questions and listening can reduce some of the friction that you're concerned about because you're demonstrating that you care what the people on the team, the people around you think. And you got to make sure that you're changing your mind about things and taking action on the stuff you're listening to. There's nothing worse than the bogus listening tour 
the the manager who goes around and pretends to listen and just wastes everybody's time. Yeah, it's just a way, and every and everyone ultimately feels like, gosh, that was a waste of time. That's a fine line. There's some things that you won't be able to act on, but there are many important things that you will learn and you should really be open to those. And some sample questions you might feature on that listening tour, very simple one that you might ask each of your direct reports is, what can be better on this team? And you might get some really great answers to that because you're new to the role and so they might feel pretty good about unloading on some of the stuff that's been going on that they can't stand. Question number two, something you might ask someone who maybe thought they we're going to get the job or a peer or something like that is what are your concerns with my taking on this position? Trying to get people to say it to you directly and get things out in the open is really, really important. I think another thing that'll really help when you ask this question is being careful to avoid hierarchical language like equals or up, down, sideways, anything like that. You just got a job. This is not a value judgment. You just got a job. You have a job to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good, really good point. And so if someone comes out and said, listen, I'm concerned because I really thought that I deserved this job, right? Something like that. That's going to feel a little bit tricky. And you can never go wrong by meeting someone's emotion with basic human decency and compassion. Look, I first of all, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. Uh, I thought that might be the case. And I want to assure you that I would love to collaborate with you, partner with you to make sure that I get this right. You know, something like that that just demonstrates that you get it and that you understand what it would have felt like to be in that person's shoes. And also to help that person get what they want, right? Not just expressing sympathy that they didn't get the job. And whatever you do, don't defend the decision and explain why you should have and they shouldn't have. Focus on the future, how you can help them get what they want out of their career. Yeah, it's a, and make it clear that's going to be a focus of yours. So another question, how can we best work together? How can I make your life easier? How can I help you have even more success? These are the kinds of questions that really go over well and that you're going to want to take a lot of notes on and make sure to take action on. One of the best pieces of advice that Russ and I got came from a man who headed up learning and development for New Jersey Transit. And he said, the first thing I tell people when they become a new manager is don't go trying to boss everybody. Telling people what to do doesn't work. Yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was, that was really great good. advice. And it was amazing. You know, I don't know if I just wasn't necessarily expecting the head of L&D for New Jersey Transit to say that. I, I, I don't know. It just was very surprising. And I just thought he hit the nail on the head. He was awesome. Yeah. Another thing that you can do when you get this job is to make sure that you ask advice from your peers, because your peers are going to see stuff that you don't see, both on your team and also on, on their team. So I would start by asking new peers how I could be successful. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got came from Claire Johnson, who is a peer of mine at Google. And she said, Kim, you need to ask people for help more often. So ask your peers for help. You've been here. You've been doing this for a while. And I want to learn from you. What advice do you have for me? Yeah, I think you can't, you can't go wrong with that. Just acknowledging those people been in a similar role that you just entered into, and they're going to have a lot of wisdom for you. And the last part is this idea of gossipy peers. This is something that really drives me crazy. And it's an issue that you just can't tolerate. You cannot tolerate gossipy peers. So if you learn that your peer, you know, who's, by the way, currently your boss, now your peer, if you learn that they're gossiping about you in any way, 
I I think you have to go broach it with them immediately. Face to face, just them. Don't talk with other people about it. Remember, try to talk to people, not about people. Talk to people, not about people. Um, So don't do what they did, which is talk about you behind your back and behind closed doors. And, you know, you've got to come into the conversation assuming the information you got is bad. And so starting out with something like, look, I've heard, but I'm not sure it's the case that you've said X or Y or Z. Is that true? And give this person a chance to respond. If they cop to it, you've got to very clearly ask them, listen, please don't gossip out about me to other people in the office. It's really counterproductive and it's causing a lot of a lot of spin here. And also listen to what they said. Maybe there's maybe there's a, a nugget of truth in that gossip, but there's something that you could fix. Right. So say if you come to me with a problem, I'll fix it. And and that will make it easier for that person to come to you. And whatever you do, if that person comes to you gossiping about others, it feels like you're being empathetic to listen, but you're not. You're just stirring the political pot. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and shut it down. But I think that's a great point. Even though their method gossiping is poor, there might be something to learn and, and always try to find something to learn. And then if there's something great to learn, that makes it easier to say, just come to me. I'll fix it if you tell me directly. Yeah. Cool. So thanks a lot for that listener question. Um, So look, it can be awkward to suddenly become the boss of your previous peers and the peer of your previous boss. In fact, they won't let that happen in the military, will they? Because it's so hard. Yeah, yeah. For for the most part, you're right. They won't. There's a couple of unique situations where where they do. But you're right. For the most part, they try real hard to prevent that dynamic from playing out for sure. So Hopefully, this is a helpful mindset that we've established here for you to have a little bit more success during the transition. We feel your pain. You're in a hard situation, but this is a situation that can be successfully navigated. So good luck to you. Now it's time for this week's Candor Checklist. We've got some specific tips for what to do when you become the manager for the first time. Tip number one, distribute important responsibilities to the people on your team. I cannot emphasize enough that you are not an individual contributor anymore. You are not an individual contributor anymore. They say repetition doesn't spoil the prayer, Kim. What would you say about this? You are no longer an individual contributor. (laughs) You're now a manager. I just think like you have to remember that if you continue to take on important individual contributor type responsibilities, you're doing two things, I think, that are really bad. Number one, you're robbing your team, people on your team, of important growth opportunities. And number two, you're robbing them of scarce visibility opportunities. And number three, you're also robbing them of your time as a manager. That may may be one of the biggest things that you're robbing them of. And and that's the idea. So who is doing all that manager stuff while you're focused on your individual contributor projects? The answer is nobody, nobody. Right? So, so you want to make sure that you are close enough to the work that you can be a real good thought partner to the people who work for you, but not doing so much of it that you don't have time to be their thought partner. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Tip number two, make sure that you write clear goals for the team and also for each individual. But it's not your job to tell everybody what to do. Yeah, as, you don't you don't have to write them down physically, yeah, right? Yeah, you got to make sure they get written, right? Don't as the guy from New Jersey Transit said, your job is not to boss everyone around. You got to learn what the team thinks. What do they want to do? What are their goals? You've got to learn what your peers, what your cross-functional peers think. What do they need from your team? 
And you want to you want to make sure that the goals that the team came up with collaboratively with you get published in a Google spreadsheet or some other public document that everybody can see. Yeah. And this this ties back into the listening tour idea, I think, a little bit from from our listener question. Mm-hmm. Right. This could be th- there could be a series of questions that you're asking your new directs and your peers. What what do you think my team should be doing? What do you think this team should be doing? How do you think we can achieve these certain objectives we have laid out and and pull that stuff together to come up with a compel- a very small number of compelling high impact goals for the team? But it's really, really important to get these down, documented, published, and visible. Exactly. And bought into. Yeah. Tip number three, give criticism when it's needed. If you see something, say something. And I know we've said this before. This is a a handy little phrase Kim came up with. TSA came up with it, actually, I think. (laughs) Good point. Handy little phrase Kim stole from TSA. (laughs) But it does bear repeating specifically for new managers because... I think a lot of new managers, Kim, they're trying to be like a hero or a cheerleader, sort of one or the other, right? Like, oh, if Billy can't do the work, I was a successful individual contributor. I'll just pick up the slack and I can do. I'll just go do Billy's job as well as my job and everybody else's job. Yeah. And which definitely doesn't scale. And you start to you start robbing the rest of the team of your time. And And you burn out. You feel crushed. Yeah. It's just everything about it is terrible. And then the cheerleader side of, you know, a lot of times I think when you're new, you don't know that you have a mandate. You think you're going to destroy morale if you're tough on somebody. I mean, I, I, I feel like that's the common feeling. And so you end up manifesting more like someone with a couple of pom poms, just given like head fake, good job praise. And in the meantime, Everyone on the team knows that Billy's over there struggling and that you're not really doing anything about it. And you're also not recognizing that maybe this is a terrible job for Billy. I talked a couple of episodes ago about being a bank teller and and my boss keep trying to cheerlead me saying I could do it. I could do it. The fact of the matter was it was a terrible job for me. I couldn't do it very well. Yeah. And so you just remember you were a successful individual contributor. And so it's very natural for you to think you can just save everyone and work them out of it. And sometimes people just aren't in the right roles, but you have to offer them the feedback and the criticism. That's always the starting point, right? Exactly. And then it might become there might come a time where you need to call it and say, look, this isn't quite quite the right job for you. Let's find you something else. Exactly. Totally fine. Tip number four, show up for your one-on-ones. Like Woody Allen said, showing up is 90% of life. you got to show up for your one-on-ones with each of your direct reports. There's a few good reasons for this. One is it's so important to listen to your people, and your one-on-ones are your best opportunity to listen to them. It's also a good opportunity to get to know them as human beings. Look forward to these meetings and and. That's where you build trust, is, is having an enjoyable conversation with each person who reports directly to you once a week. This is your opportunity to solicit feedback and also to show that you care personally about these people. Yeah. By the way, Yogi Berra said, hitting is 90% mental and the other half is physical. <laughs> it's a great quote. But so picking up on that, Kim, I, you know, we read every one of these listener emails that comes in, right? I don't, I shouldn't be shocked, but I am shocked at how many people say that their manager is not having a one-on-one with them. One woman I had an exchange with, she was telling me about how her boss, how he wasn't having the one-on-one. And at one point she showed up to a one-on-one and he asked her, how'd you get on my calendar? (laughs) I mean, it's, it's absolutely crazy 
have one-on-ones with your team and show up for them. It's a very simple standard. And then just follow what Kim said, and I think you'll be fine. Okay, so to summarize, tip number one, distribute the important responsibilities to the people on your team. Tip number two, make sure the team has clear goals and make sure each individual has clear goals. Tip number three, give criticism when it is needed. Tip number four, show up for your weekly one-on-ones. Awesome. So you can revisit these tips by going to the show notes for the episode at RadicalCandor.com slash podcast. And that's it for Radical Candor this week. Our producers are Kristen Meinzer and Jennifer Lai. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply and to Elise Lockhart at Candor, Inc. Our theme song is written and performed by Cliff Goldmacher, who, by the way, did you know he runs songwriting workshops for teams and companies? You should do one of his songwriting workshops. We wrote a ruinous empathy ballad, and it was tons of fun. It was fun. So please let us know what you think of the show and share your stories and challenges with us. You'll find us on Twitter, at Candor. Our email address is podcast at RadicalCandor.com. And of course, our website is RadicalCandor.com. The Candor Coach iOS app, soon also to be an Android app. We do love you, Google is available for download in the App Store, and the Radical Canner book is available for purchase wherever you buy books. Support your local bookstore. If you like the show, please help us spread the word and make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, your favorite podcast app, so you can automatically get each new episode. And don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. It helps other people discover our show. I'm Kim Scott. And I'm Russ Laraway. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. 